Welcome to Beaks and Geeks. Today on the show is Rebecca Harrington, the author of Sociable. It follows Eleanor, who wants to be a journalist in New York City. She starts working at a viral news site and gets dumped by her boyfriend, Mike. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And you have the best voice for radio. Thank you. It's the best compliment I've ever gotten. It's so amazing. (laughs) So this book is very, very funny, and it's really short, and it's really fun, and I kind of read it all in one sitting. Um, But I just wanted to sort of talk to you about how you approached writing this book as opposed to some of your other writing, because you are a very funny columnist and essay writer as well. Um, So what was it about writing a novel like this that was different? Well, I had already written a novel before, um, Penelope, and um, that was a very different writing process, though, because um, that kind of flowed in, like, a slightly different way because you kind of had to really channel Penelope, like, the character, whereas I felt like with this, it it, it took a lot of research in a way because I was um, looking at tons of social media profiles like all the time. I probably spent like months just like combing through people's Instagrams and like looking at people's Twitters and kind of finding like the way because I do think there is like a style and tone on social media that is incredibly influential like to a certain extent people really sound the same on a lot of different platforms. Like, like they sound like themselves, but they also, like, obey the conventions of, like, all of, like, Twitter and Instagram. Like, people sound alike in a way. And I wanted to kind of, like, really look at what those linguistic conventions were and um, totally channel them through this character. So that was a very interesting process, especially because I don't actually, I'm like horrendous at social media. And uh, so I was kind of like an outsider looking in. <laughs> it's like investigative research. Yeah, so yeah. kind of was. Yeah. Um, can you think of an example of like a very specific, like new social media type of thing that you're thinking about? Um, like... Like, there are all these conventions on Instagram of, like, uh, the types of pictures, like, people take. And, like, a lot of people take the same picture. And, in fact, the the sort of subject matter of the book is what is – what happens to you when you are constantly inundated by, like, the same images and the same conventions all the time about how you sort of express yourself? Does that change the way you think about yourself? And I wanted to kind of – I wanted to sort of investigate whether it does because when you have, like, a sort of standardized language for, like, emotional expression, like, does that – change the way does that change more than the way that you express emotion does that change the way you think about your own emotions and so that was really what I was trying to examine with the book and I felt like and I was sort of looking at like you know different characteristic pictures that people really take like landscapes or sunsets or like you know like the view from their roof or like you know like a blurry picture outside of a car or like you know a selfie that's sort of like from up above for some reason or like or like on Twitter there's like kind of a tone that a lot of people use to sort of express themselves it's kind of like 
kind of like earnest but also kind of like funny sometimes and like kind of like 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 it just and like and it's not just hashtags it's like it's just like I don't know it's hard to explain tone, except yeah. to kind of like channel it I yeah. think as a writer so yeah the best example of that I thought in the book was this um this like hot take Eleanor writes a quick article she like writes a piece about her breakup and whether she feels like she should or should not talk about it and right. the perceived or real pressure she feels to examine right. those feelings right and that was sort of like this um the best the best example of that sort of tone that I found yeah no absolutely <laughs> like I read a lot of personal essays and I really kind of tried to um you know examine it from that angle and, and it's interesting too because I think in the book um you know, Eleanor really struggles with, is this, like, like on the certain level, the personnel essay is true because she does, at least at that moment, feel a kind of pressure to express herself. But then at the same way, it's also kind of, like, false because, like, in, that's not actually how she feels about the breakup. And maybe even she doesn't necessarily know that. There, it like, but there's sort of a forced civility to the like uh, to the personal essay because it's very like we were different people and we just <laughs> had to change, but we didn't change together. But there's this like roiling aggression course, underneath yeah. that like sh- even she can't really examine. Yeah. So like, I, yeah. <laughs> were you surprised by any of the personal essays you read? Like, did you did you find a tone in those, or did yes. you find like is that different from the social media tone? Not necessarily. <laughs> it's all kind of it's all kind of like an internet style or like an internet uh like you know sort of a way of expressing yourself I think I think on the different mediums like they have their own different conventions because one is pictures the other is like quippy sentences and then the other is kind of like this long form thing but it's like sort of it's surprising in some ways how much the through line of all of these things is constantly there and then also I felt like with personal essays I don't know. Personal essays are just they—they're just—they're sort of a genre that's of longer standing because you know personal essays have been around since I don't know a modest proposal, probably even longer than that. So, so like, I don't know if I'd call that a personal yeah, essay. a personal essay. Right. Why I ate babies right. for a month? Exactly. What happened? What happened? Why I did it and why I need to do it again? Yeah. Right. But I mean, I guess I guess like personal essays—they—they they sort of have more historical precedent. What I think is interesting about personal essays on the internet is that they adapt to the tone on the internet, I would say. Or at least that's what I noticed. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, you you do write for the internet quite a lot. Yes. And, yeah. And you 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 write about yourself often. Yeah. Um, and and your I own read personal, it all the time. And, yeah. <laughs> so, but you don't, but you're not a social media person. No. So did you find, did you find yourself getting better at social media? Are you more interested in it now? I am. I'm so not interested in social media for like the stupidest reasons. Honestly, it has nothing to do with like anything. I am so unphotogenic so I can't take any pictures at all plus I was always terrible at taking pictures and I have no interest in pictures and no interest at looking at pictures of other people which is like 
crazy i know so so that takes reams of social media like off because you're like weirdest you're like i don't even care like if i ever see a picture of myself ever again nor do i care if i ever see a picture of anyone else ever i like that you're just like visuals aren't for me it's true i'm just like over i just like hate visuals so that like takes everything away and then twitter i'm just like not quippy enough for like and then i'm also not interested in other people's quips really but you're so, but you are such a good funny writer you write very funny columns it's all it's but it's all windy long form <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> it's like you have to be so pithy it's hard yes, yeah yeah <laughs> Um, well, this this book was very, very fun to read and very funny, but it also was like way, way, way too real for somebody who works in publishing and lives in New York. <laughs> I'm um, so glad. Slash, I'm sorry. It was very cringy in a lot of moments. Um, why was it important to you to include very New York details? Like you mentioned specific bars that, that I have been to and, you know, parties that I have been to. Um, like, what is it about... Not in fictionalizing everything, I guess. I guess I sort of felt like uh, our generation has never had, like, kind of like its bonfire of the vanities. Because it's, like, very... We are, like, we are like sort of an earnest generation. Like, nobody ever really was, like, you know, I mean, super make fun. So I was, like, I was like, if you're going to go for it, you just got to go for it. You know, I hear everyone's calling sociable the bonfire of the vanities of the <laughs> 2000s. I mean, they're not. Um, could you get them to blurb this, maybe? Yeah, wouldn't that be fun? I should do that. <laughs> I mean, there's something, it is It is definitely refreshing. Like, you definitely name check different places and different companies. Um, can you talk a little bit about the company that Eleanor works at? Well, journalism.ly, it's like a, it's like a content farm with sort of, lofty ambitions for more I'd say and so she works at this she works at this content farm in like the middle of Soho which is which happens to be actually like in real life where almost all these content farms are based and so she um and basically she just writes like a bunch of viral or like viral seeming content so like the 15 things only coffee lovers know and like you know how to tell if you're a psychotic murderer, a quiz, like that kind of thing. So, yeah, but then also there will be like, you know, like stuff about the news and that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's the like there's this extreme like self-importance yeah. <laughs> of the of the company owners <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Right. <laughs> they think they're really like changing the world. And who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. they are. I don't know. Um, my friend and I always make fun of on dating profiles. You'll see people who are like, I'm an entrepreneur, disruptor, innovator, global nomad. How can you say that with a straight face? You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. And yet you do. Um, well, because you draw from a lot of like real New York life stuff, um, are there any places in New York that you really love that you like? What would you what would you include in like a perfect perfect day in a novel in the, in New York. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are so many places in New York that are so awesome. Like like just really good restaurants. <laughs> like Han Dynasty and like um, Emily's the pizza place. So, I like if it was like if it was like a perfect day for me, mm-hmm. I would just eat like the whole day and oh and like incredible bagel places like Essa Bagel I go to Essa Bagel for breakfast I go to Han Dynasty for lunch and I go to Emily's for dinner it's amazing that's what I do so it would be my perfect day 
Oh, and like the Frick Museum. But. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> if we're doing other things, right, right. right. If we get around to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm inviting myself, by the way. Yeah, sure. We're all going. <laughs> sure. So Penelope, your first novel was based on a college campus in college. Yeah. And Sociable is very young 20-somethings in New York City, yes. sort of on their own for the first time, yes. like finding their way. Um, and the most 23-year-old type of thing that happens is in my mind, that Eleanor never feels cool enough and she's always just at parties where she feels like she doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, Did you feel like you were able to access that easily? (laughs) Like that sort of young feeling? that was like the easiest thing I've ever been able to access. (laughs) Like I've actually shown up at parties and been like, why am I wearing this? Like I can't even tell you of any time. But don't you feel like that's changed over the years? No. Not at all? (laughs) I feel like that's so specific to being like 23, 24. I think... I think maybe, but, like, maybe, like, for me, for example, like, I have that feeling, like, all the time. I'm 32 (laughs) years old, and I constantly have it. I'll be like, why these shoes? It made no sense. But, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure 23-year-olds have it more. Because, again, like, I I do think there's, like, a certain, there is, like, this kind of, like, standardizing idiom, even of, like, fashion, like, on the internet and, like, in these sort of, like, in the sort of, like, small journalism communities. So there is, like, a way to dress, and you have to kind of, like, get it. Right. And if you don't, then, like, you look like an idiot yeah. or something. I don't know. Which is so sad because, yeah. like, Eleanor went to the same communication school that everyone right. else did. And right. she's perfectly qualified like right. everyone else. Yeah, so. but does it matter? No. Not so much. No. But um, what, was the, what was the part of the, about writing this book that you didn't expect like was any part harder than you might have thought or any part easier really fun to write I thought it was a pretty I thought it was a pretty hard book to write actually in a lot of ways because I had been reading a lot of these books like um Madame Bovary and even like Sense and Sensibility to a certain extent in which like uh, essentially what they were talking about was kind of like like how in romantic novels there's like a certain superstructure of cliche that kind of deadens like real feeling and like in both Madame Bovary and Sense and Sensibility like this is a concern because you know Marianne thinks she's like uh you know in the most like romantic like situation possible but then like even though she's using all the cliches of romanticism there is like something about her relationship with him that was like totally flawed almost fake and and the same thing is true in Madame Bovary to a certain extent and so uh, I was trying to kind of like update that uh, the idea of like how how cliches kind of not only change the way you think about your emotional experiences, but also kind of deaden them and and sort of leech the emotional power from them. And I found that to be an extremely hard concept, especially with the internet, because like because like I do think that that happens often, especially because almost everything online has like moved to this nether world of kind of like, words and like the phone and and so it it already like doesn't have like the physical permanence of like uh, sort of like in-person interactions but then also it was really hard to kind of like understand exactly how people talk to each other to relate 
to make that true, I yeah. guess. Or like or like the way that it would literally change the way you think about a breakup. Yeah. Or like your job or like things like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that makes me feel a little bit like an old man's shaking my fist on a lawn sort yeah. of thing. Like I, it's a little bit despairy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard. Yeah. It's definitely. Uh, well, I think that's I think like almost. You know, I mean, it's it's a constant, like, concern. Any time that, like, humans memorialize their actions in a kind of idealized way, there is uh, a level to which that sort of drains individuality from in interactions. I mean, that's true of, like, almost of all these Victorian novels that are talking mm -hmm. about the exact same thing. Yeah. And so... Yeah, in some ways this is like a modern affliction. In some ways it's just like an affliction that always happens. And now because everybody can write about their interactions and uh, memorialize their interactions in these kind of like nether worlds where you don't really have to, you don't really have to like, let me see, I'm going to pause because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are editing this. Um we're like, I don't know, in a certain sense, like you are not really um, having to, let's see. Like you're borrowing other people's emotions to ex yeah, interpret Yeah, like you're your borrowing own. other people's emotions, but, but also like, but also, like, the individuality of your emotions are in, in some, uh, oftentimes, like, not very flattering. Sure. They're not ideal. Sure. They're often petty. They're often jealous. They're often, they just kind of suck, you know? They, the individual, it, 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 like, because it, it, in some ways, like, there is, like, a certain ugliness to intimacy. So if you can erase that, and if you can make that, so that that didn't happen there I think that I think that that's incredibly attractive but it's also a source of tremendous anxiety <laughs> so like the idea that you that there is this ugliness underneath that you don't have to acknowledge like mm -hmm. for example Eleanor's tremendous uh, aggressiveness I mean Eleanor really does feel a lot of like really negative and very aggressive feelings toward Mike and Mike is really mean to her in a lot of ways, but she feels like if she really accessed that, if, if instead of uh, feeling this sort of like weird anxiety all the time and like, and, and sort of like this feeling like she has to almost paper over what happens, that, it, that in order to justify how um, sad and emotional she feels she has to say that they had a great love yeah and and that that's the reason why she feels so bad right and and like like I think that's a very hard pressure <laughs> because and there's so much and there's so much language to say that like nobody was wrong that that nobody made a mistake and there, that's true in a sense but then in another sense that's not really how she feels yeah so so I think trying to, like, turn your individualized emotions into sort of uh, therapeutic ideals yeah. is very, very hard, especially on women. And it's like like that she does 
quite often in the book is say, I'm not mad, I'm tired. I'm yeah, like, it, you're right. just like, it's something else. I'm not actually feeling the way I'm feeling. Right. You know? Like, I don't feel this way. That's not how I feel. But then she can't even really express anger to her friends, even mm-hmm. though there's a lot of hostility there as well. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So that was really what I was noticing more. I mean, me too. It was yeah, actually <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, well, I'm so glad you mentioned what you were reading as inspirations and kind of reference points. Um, but are there any other books that you're reading and loving? Um, well, yeah. I mean, in order to read this book, I was reading a lot of... Um, I read a lot of like kind of like satire, but then I also was reading a lot of these books about uh, romanticism and its discontents, that kind of thing. I mean, it is just stunning to me how many times I've read Bridget Jones' diary. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, it's still like one of the first books that's open on my uh, computer. Wait, really? That's yeah. so nice. <laughs> no, I read it like every other month. <laughs> it's so genius what do you love about it oh my god I mean like she's just a brilliant writer I mean she's she's so funny sentence for sentence I mean she is just she's a genius I also think Bridget Jones is like kind of about these themes oh yeah absolutely in the very like 90s like self-help kind of way Yeah. yeah yeah oh and I was reading the Patrick Melrose uh novels the bad news and they're amazing oh. they're so amazing it's a, a series of five novels it's actually going to be made into a tv show with benedict cumberbatch oh cool yeah okay so awesome. definitely check that out uh, well rebecca thank you so much for joining me i mean of course this was super fun congratulations on the book thank you 